It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. It is 2017, and in our ever uh, ongoing struggle to improve, we've now made the podcast a two-man operation. This is Gabe DeArmond, managing editor Brian Austin, going to join me uh, most weeks, hopefully all weeks on here. So we'll we'll talk everything to do with Mizzou, and right now that means, at least for a little bit, Mizzou basketball. We are joined by Stephen St. John from 810 WHB in Kansas City. He spends at least a portion of uh, four hours every day discussing Missouri basketball a little bit. Stephen, how you doing, man? You know, I'm doing okay. How about you guys? Uh, hanging in. All right. So we have to give – I don't know if we've ever had to do this before. I may have dropped a four-letter word or two on the podcast at some point. But we want to go ahead and give the explicit language warning just in case. We don't want to hold Stephen back at all. So, Stephen, we're just going to start real broad, man. Missouri basketball. Go. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't take uh, long. Yeah, there you go. You know uh... – it's it's uh it's just awful. It's depressing, disappointing, embarrassing, sad. Um it's unbelievable. There's so many different words I could use to describe what's become of this program and uh it's one of those things we've talked about this uh as well. You never want to say, well it can't get any worse. It can't get any worse. Right. And there's at least been two or three times where I've thought to myself, well, this can't get any worse. They, they got, they got to be better than this. They got to bounce back. They got to show something. And every time I think that it gets worse and worse and worse. I mean, I've covered a two and 14 chiefs football team, uh, multiple 100 loss seasons with the Royals. Uh, I, I've, I've, uh, looked from afar with, uh, great, uh, great joy at the uh, demise of Kansas football. Uh, and and that that uh, that's probably the worst I've seen a, a program or a team become. But unfortunately, now Mizzou basketball is is right there. I think to the level that uh, that Kansas football has sunk to. Now you could turn basketball around a lot quicker. Who knows if they'll ever turn Kansas football around? That's a huge question. But so I, so in, in a way, it's actually you know Kansas football will always be worse. But I never thought I'd say that about Mizzou basketball. It's it's one of the worst teams I've ever covered. Uh, in 18 years of doing radio in Kansas City. <laughs> I had somebody ask me this on our message board. They, they said, compare like following this team to following the Royals throughout the 2000s. And, and my answer, and I want to know what you think. My answer was, look, like I still watched every game and I started every game and I hoped they'd win, but I didn't really have any expectation they would. And so it, when like guys hit teammates in the face with, pick, with uh, relay throws, you know, when they – when they gave up like 11 runs on opening day before they had an out, like it didn't really surprise me. So I didn't get angry. It was just kind of sad. Where are you at in the, uh, you know, anger denial, seven stages of grief? You know, it's weird because like with the Royals, you know, at least there were still good players to watch. I mean, you go out there and watch Zach Greinke win a Cy Young. Uh, It seems like they always had a good pitcher, uh, you know, to watch or different players that you could, you know, at least somewhat fall in love with. Even back, you know, you know Johnny Damon and Jermaine Dye and and all those guys when they could actually score runs and Mike Sweeney. Um, 
and, and, and sometimes you'd, you'd feel like it was hopeless with the Royals because they were held back by ownership, not spending money, not investing like they should in, in the organization. Uh, but you felt like they were being held back by, by something. You, you, could, you could understand why they weren't competing because of the, the lack of competitive balance. And so I, I don't think it was that uh, – it, it wasn't so frustrating because you were resigned to the fact, well, the Royals just can't compete. Then things turned around. And then you saw when David Glass put money into the system and they actually made wise draft picks that they could compete. And, and it was, uh, you know, one of the greatest turnarounds that I've covered in sports. With, with Mizzou basketball, there's, there's no reason that they should be like this. That's what pisses you off so much. Like with the Royals, when they were bad, you knew why. Because the owner wasn't spending money. And they wanted to make money instead of win. And they finally changed, and that's how they ended up ultimately becoming world champs. With Missouri, there's no reason. There's no owner that's a penny pincher that won't spend on big players. There's no competitive imbalance. I know that you know different schools have uh, different ability to recruit players. Like there's players that get recruited by Kansas that, that Missouri can never touch, and some some other schools have better facilities. But for Mizzou basketball, there's no way they should be this bad in the SEC. I mean, it, it, it's a crime. It's negligence. I mean, how, how do you take a basketball program? That I know they didn't win conference titles, but competed in the Big 12. And was a top 25 team, and you could hope that every year have the reasonable expectation that they could go to the NCAA tournament. They'd have these great showdowns with Kansas when the whole nation watched on Big Monday. How could you turn that into something so irrelevant so quickly? Now, nobody knows who's on the team. Nobody cares when Mizzou plays. There's no big game to circle that even if they're bad, they're going to play their asses off that night. You're going to see a great game like they would so many times against Kansas. And there's no reason for it. Bad hires, uh, just just absolute – just a, a terrible job by Mike Alden and his leadership with the basketball program. It's almost like they had to try to destroy the basketball program. And that's what pisses you off so much. Hey, Stephen, this is Brian Austin. I was just wondering for the Kansas City-Mizzou fans, how much does the continued success of Kansas basketball uh, play into the misery factor that they're going through right now? You know, it, it's, it used to be a lot worse, obviously, when, when Mizzou was playing Kansas, and they were both in the same conference, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, and for, for some reason, I don't know why, I always I disliked Roy Williams a lot more than, than Bill Self. Just, just maybe because I knew how, how difficult it was to deal with Roy Williams as far as a member of the media. You know, and Bill Self, you know, I'm, I, hey, I'm, I'm, I've grown up a Mizzou fan. I've been a Mizzou fan my whole life. So it's impossible for me. To, to ever root for Kansas, but I mean, you could you could see it. You could see why Bill Self is so, so successful, and so you almost have to respect it. Um, but but now it's just it's like there, there's no sense in rooting against them. Nobody in the Big Twelve can beat them. They, they win the title every year, uh, so it, it's actually it's it's gotten better in the, in the last three or four years without Mizzou uh, in the Big Twelve because you don't have to play them and you don't really have to put up with uh, that crap you know, two times a year. Um, and, I, I mean, I would just – I got to the point where I would just hate watching Mizzou go to Allen Fieldhouse because, you know, how the refs would be and it would just be a, like this hopeless situation. We haven't um, seen any evidence of how the refs might be in that building right. this week, have we? Exactly. Man, I sat there and watched. I said, man, I've been there. I know how you feel, K-State. Uh, but but it just uh, – it, it it's not as bad. I mean, I, it, you, I mean, what can you do? I mean, you, you they're always going to win the Big 12. They're always going to be like a one or a two seed. At least with Roy Williams, they had down years where they were an eight seed or, you know, in the 8-9 game. It, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, I said that about Mizzou basketball. It's, it's crazy to think that 
you know, Bill Self took what Roy Williams had and made it even better. But, I mean, geez, you know, if, if they could just not win the conference one year. But you can't, you can't, sit, you can't drive yourself crazy about that. It'll, it's, it's, uh, it's worthless to, to sit there and try to figure out how they're so good, Missouri's so bad. But it, it has definitely changed a lot since Missouri left the conference. It's, it's not nearly as, uh, as crazy as it used to be. So I'm sure you and Nate spent plenty of time talking about this this morning, but Jim Sterk puts out his statement after some maybe uh, badgering is a fair word from members of the local media here in the last few days. Um, I read that statement and I thought, well, that was pretty well done because it basically says I don't really want to fire him during the season, but it left the door open that, you know, he didn't say he wasn't doing it. What, what was your reaction to, to what Sterk said? And then I don't know if you watched, uh, you know, kind of Kim's response last night after the game. I mean, you, I think, I think you could take whatever you want to take from it. If you, if you, if you want to say, well, see, you know, that means he's not going to fire commanders in midseason. Well, I think he left himself an out for that. If, if things, if the wheels came off and it really got bad, um, when it really got bad, like it's not already bad right now, <laughs> got even worse. Um, I mean, he, he said what he had to say to get people off of his back that were looking for a statement. And, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think he was as strong in his support for Kim Anderson as he could have been. And I don't think he, uh, I don't think he was as, as tough as he could have been. He's kind of in the middle there. He left himself plenty of wiggle room for whatever he decides to do. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that there's any decision left. But if there is, you know, he left himself plenty of wiggle room to, to go whichever way he wants. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much with you. Uh, I was, I was hoping for something a little bit more strongly worded. Uh, but I, I don't think if you're a Kim Anderson supporter, you should feel any better after, uh, after reading that statement. And as far as Kim Anderson, I think, I think you can kind of tell that he, he's feeling the heat, you know. And if he doesn't, then he's oblivious to everything that's going on around him. Do, do you guys get calls? I mean, every – they're much less frequent now, but every now and then we'll have a post or I'll see something on Facebook where, you know, you still have the, the hey, none of this is his fault, three years isn't fair. But I, I think those people are, A, so few and far between, and, B, I mean, at this point, they're – my – analogy is they're the type of people who you could uh you know unzip and uh urinate on their heads and they'd tell you it was raining you know i I mean do you guys get any of the uh any of the calls saying hey you got to give this guy more time or or in the people you deal with on the radio every day is it pretty much 100 percent? and i know you have like mike decorsi and a lot of national people and i think national people don't have the critical view of anderson and and whether he should be fired that maybe some of the local people do no, I mean, when I asked DeCourcy about it, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News comes to our show every week, uh, he said he, he was the one that first said, you really have to consider this year one because of everything he had to put up with. And I just, I, I, I couldn't possibly disagree more with, with, with that sentiment. Now, you know, Mike DeCourcy is a national college basketball writer. He doesn't watch a whole lot of Mizzou basketball, nor should he, because that's not part of his job because he's writing about relevant teams. But I, I think if you actually have watched this team uh, as a fan or as someone that covers the team, uh, and not even every game, at least most of the games, you are looking for any sign of improvement, of growth, of a reason to get excited uh, about this uh, regime, 
looking for a game where Kim Anderson clearly out exited exited you know the other guy. He was he was just nails everything he did came up aces. Where you're seeing on a game by game basis, players really start to develop under his watch uh, with a big man get better and and and, and you know and, and hone their skills and you can really see what a guy's going to be in three or four years. And don't get me wrong, I think Kevin Perrier is a fine player, uh, but, but but him and and. Barnett, really, those are the only two guys that think they would start on a, on a good tournament team. And maybe you could even say Perrier and, and, and Barnett might be role players. I think they'd still start if you had a good backcourt and good guys around them. But that's it. And so you're, if you're looking for just, you know, raw talent, you don't see a whole bunch of that. If you're looking at guys that are getting better at Kim Anderson, you don't look, it doesn't look like that's, that's the case. Uh, if you want to fire and brimstone and get fired up by, by a personality, well, Kim Anderson really isn't your guy. Why they let him get mic'd up for those games? I have, I think that's a mistake, and it's and I and I get we could make a joke out of this and everything else, but someone's got to step in and say, hey, Kim, you know what? That's not a great idea. That's just not that's not going to help anything. He's he's not one of those guys where you hear him talking to to, to the team and and you you're all fired up and get ready to run through a wall for him. I mean, it, it it's almost what you expect. It makes it worse. And so I just someone's got to tell him like, say no next time because that just makes things look I think worse than they even are. But so so he's not really going to be one of those guys that, that rallies the fan base and and gets you excited by talking to him and hearing what he has to say. Uh, the, the 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 staff that he's put together, I've been underwhelmed about that. I mean, there, there's just there's just not one thing that you could take away in three years, say for not getting in trouble with the NCAA. But that shouldn't be your expectation. <laughs> there's nothing you can take away and say, hey, this is what I'm going to hold on to. This is a positive. This is better. And I'm talking about stuff you see on the basketball floor. It's it's it, nothing. Nothing is good, and so I don't see how you could possibly be excited about anything, any facet of this basketball program right now. And working on the assumption that Coach Anderson's gone after this year, what what kind of coach do you think Missouri needs to bring in here to get it turned around? Are there any coaches out there that have piqued your interest that you've seen at some of the programs across the country? Well, when 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 this job was open last, I was on the Ben Howland bandwagon. Mike, of course, he was too. Uh, I mean, he he basically told Seren Petro from my station in in an interview that he would have taken the job. Um, you know, it, it's 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 almost it's almost, I feel like the saying beggars can't be choosers. You know, yeah. I, I just want someone competent. Um, I'm I'm not going to say no to an established head coach. That uh, like a guy like Ben Hallen or, or or you know like Pine the Sky, think me and Gabe are on the same page here. If you could lure a guy away like like a Frank Martin, fine. If you think you can do that, great. If it's got to be a, a young and up and coming guy from a mid major, okay. You know, I, it's just I, I'm so desperate for somebody that doesn't have a cloud of NCAA suspicion hanging over their head, and someone that could that could recruit and coach in a competent fashion. That I I, I don't I don't. My standards are pretty low right now, man. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> uh, I'm going to cut out that sentence and send it to Jake to put on your guys' show a few times. But, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Hey, last thing for you, man. This isn't uh, – look, anybody that listens to you, either in KC or has listened to these last 15 minutes, I mean, the passion's pretty obvious. So I want to ask you because I always tell people, like, look, I cover this team every day. It's it, – like you got to separate yourself a little bit from the emotion and – who you're a fan of, anything like that. So obviously you do something different than what we do every day. So, uh, you know, in, in your job, like to me, that's that's why people listen to you because you do care and you you don't hide the fact, 
hey, this is who I'm a fan of, this is who I hate, all that. So, you know, just kind of how much a part of what you do every day is bringing that on the air? I think that's 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 the number one thing that we that, that we are able to bring in the mornings on the show between myself and Nate and Jake. And I can't speak for any of the shows, but the way I've always said that I'm going to do it, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to tell you what teams that I'm a fan of, what teams I like, what teams I'm not a fan of, and, and you're either going to identify with me or be against me, uh, or as Chiefs fans, we're going to live and die, and, and you, you're, you're going to know what I'm talking about when I told you I was at the you know, the, the, the playoff game against the Colts, the playoff game against the Broncos, those heartbreaking losses. I know what you feel like because I was there. Uh, you know, when, when Ty Sedney and, and Mizzou, and, you know, I was out there in San Jose when they lost Oklahoma in the Elite Eight. I, I've, I, all the feelings that you've gone through as a fan, I've been there right there with you. And I'm just lucky enough to get on the radio to talk about it and have access to these different guys and athletes and coaches to be able to, to ask them about it from a, a, a real Kansas Cityans perspective. And so hopefully when people listen to the show, they, they hear that. And, you know, hey, they know that Nate's a Kansas guy. They know that Jake's a, a, a goofball to play D1 soccer. They know that I love boxing and MMA and I love Mizzou and I love the Chiefs and I love the Royals, you know. And I, and, and, and I, th- I think that, that people identify with that and they appreciate our honesty and they know where we're coming from because if you know what's, what, what, some, what someone's angle is, if you know who they like, who they don't like, or where they're from and, and, and how they were raised as far as a sports fan, then you can appreciate their opinion. I don't like to be lied to on the radio. So I, I want to know, you know, I, I like to be upfront with people. They know who I support. And when you hear me talking about Mizzou basketball, I get all these tweets and emails, stop talking about Mizzou basketball. <laughs> well, it drives me crazy. And I feel like I'm, maybe we're the only few guys that are still watching this thing. There's a few fans out there, but damn it, that's my team. I'm going to keep watching them. And, and at some point they're going to get better again. I'm going to be watching them when they, when they get better. I'm staying on the bandwagon. So this weekend you're a Miami Dolphins fan then, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that would be fantastic if the Dolphins could win and then the Chiefs would host either Houston with Osweiler or Savage at quarterback or the Oakland Raiders led by Connor Cook. That would be fantastic. But you know what? I'll take it if it's the Chiefs and the Steelers. That will be incredible. I will be there and I will be ready to vomit before the uh, first kickoff. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Stephen, we're going to do this again sometime. And I tell you what, between now and then, just work on, dude, be honest. I mean, just don't hold back. Just tell us how you feel next time, all right? Yeah, you know what? Just just for everyone's sake in Kansas City, let's just hope the Chiefs win a playoff game and get to the championship game. I can deal with that. Let's not do another one and done. I'm going to lose my mind. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good Thanks, one. Man. We'll talk to you. Steven St. John, WHB. Uh, Brian, thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> he he speaks his mind. You can tell. Um, brings a lot of passion. And I, I think his uh, thoughts on Mizzou basketball right on, though. It's just... Every time you think it can't get any worse, it just happens to get worse. It's it's pretty remarkable that they've been able to do that for two years now. Well, it, but what what amazes me, and I said this on the board today, like is, it, I mean, there's a lot of guys like Steven, like, I, I don't know quite how you maintain that level of passion for, for what this is right now. Like, I, I mean, I see people at games, like, screaming at the refs when they're in a six-point game with Lipscomb, and I just want to go, yeah. I, I, it's amazing. Like I don't mean it as an deal. insult. Yeah. It's it's fairly impressive. Yeah, I, I've never been of that uh, demeanor myself. I guess it's hard for me to relate. I've always just kind of watched or played sports. So getting that involved in fandom is tough to relate to. But if people enjoy it, they enjoy it. You can't tell people to stop doing what they like to do. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just saying. Like, 
dude, if you're a like a Duke fan and they lose in the Elite Eight, I get, if you're a Kentucky fan, like you're you're angry and you're into it. I I, I really I, I I'm impressed by the people that still have that level of passion for it. So we'll move on to to talking some football and football recruiting here in just a minute. But just kind of last thing, I mean, we talked a little bit about Stark's statement, all that. Like, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't know where this is going, right? My impression, even after last night, even Kim Anderson knows where this is going. Now. Yeah, that's the feeling all around the program, it seems like. It's just, uh, I mean, it's just too bad. You can't, I mean, there's no way they're going to win enough games in the SEC conference. They're not going to win nine games or anything like that. It's just, they need to, they, they know they need to make a change, I think. And it's just, it, it's not the right time. It doesn't, I mean, you could do it now, like, people have been talking about, but it's not really going to make any difference if they do it now, if they do it after the season. It's it's here or there, so they'll they'll get their ducks in a row, hopefully, and Sturk will start doing some research and doing some back-channel talking to agents and things like that and get himself ready because, I mean, I I guess it's, it's not crazy to say this is probably the biggest hire in Missouri basketball history. I mean... Yeah, I feel <laughs> like we said that last time, though, and I feel like we said it the time before. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I guess at some point, like, how many times do you get to screw up before you just, like, you can't recover from screwing up? Right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, this might be it. I guess this is going to be the test here. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I I was looking around trying to think of some coaches that would be good fits, and it's just, you wonder if anyone's going to be interested. I, this is where you're going to see how much respect Jim Sturk has in, mm-hmm. in the nation and how much coaches want to work for him and how much they trust in what he's going to be able to do here because if they I mean if they struggle to pull in a decent coach again then you know I mean maybe he's not the right AD either yeah and well and another another thing to consider Brian White who is kind of the liaison to men's basketball kind of like Ren Baker was his dad's the AD at Duke um he probably knows some people in college basketball so that could could play a factor but I, I mean really and like look for for a year and a half we've been saying Hey, we're not going to touch this. We're we're not going to we're not trying to push coach. I mean, I think at this point you're burying your head in the sand if you refuse to acknowledge what's going on. I mean, my wife's birthday is coming up in March, and she asked me about taking a trip with a, a friend of hers, and I said, "Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be on the phone all March, you know." So I I think that'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can I could see that. It's the the coaching search season is. Uh... Always fun for you to cover, I know. Absolutely. I, I actually do kind of enjoy it. I enjoy it more when it's not about Missouri, when I can just watch it. But it is fun to cover. So, all right, let's 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 talk a little football recruiting here. Um, obviously, uh, National Signing Day, 27 days away. So, I mean, you started back with us, what, four days ago. Do you know what the hell you're doing yet? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> slid back in all right, I guess. I've been paying attention from afar and doing a few things here and there. We're Got a pretty. You did a good job of keeping it up and running while I was gone. I guess <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all I was doing, man. I was just holding the fort down until Brian came back. So I think we're in a good place to to finish this off. Uh, Paul and Sean have been doing great work already. I think uh, Palmer Zoo subscribers are going to love the things that they bring to the team. Um, we're able to track down on some guys for 2017. I know everyone's interested in defensive tackle, understandably so. It's a mm-hmm. obviously a big position to need and. It sounds like it seems like Missouri's in pretty good shape with a few more guys. They already got a commitment from Rashad Brandon, and I know Walter Palmore and Malik Young, and then um, Twyman. They're all out there for him still. So and Caleb Sampson and Caleb Sampson. So they're they got some guys out there for that position. It's it's going to be an interesting January. A lot of times under the Pinkle regime, it seemed like 
January was a little quieter. They kind of had their class mostly set. There would be a few guys that would pop up here and there, but if they're really going to get to that 25 number that Coach Odom thought they would, they I mean, they're going to have to add eight, eight more guys, so yeah. it'll be fun to see what happens. We're going to spend a ton of time after February 1st, I'm sure, talking about 2018, but you've already been doing a few stories on some of those kids this week, and just, I, I don't know the exact number, but you've you covered recruiting for us for, what, five, six years now? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been doing it for, this is my 14th. I don't think I've ever seen a class, not only in the state, but concentrated in one area like St. Louis right. in 2018. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable how many – I mean, you start with Trevor Trout, then Michael Thompson, Cameron Babb, um, Cameron Brown, Ronnie Perkins. I mean, those guys are just the initial list. And then there's guys like Caleb Ellaby that don't have Missouri offered but have a Power 5 offer. It's, it's pretty crazy. And, th- I mean, you're talking about just after their junior seasons. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys that Missouri had gotten in the past that are really good players that they hadn't even offered till. Nate Howard didn't get an offer until halfway through his senior season. Um, so, yeah, it's I don't know if it's just a change in how schools are evaluating players. They're getting on them a little bit earlier all the time. Um, these All these guys are really good, so they're standing out more. <clears throat> it, it, it's going to be fun to cover. I know talking with them, it sounds like everybody's in kind of a wait-and-see mode to see what happens with the 2017 team. They're not ready to be very committal about their interest level in Mizzou right now. I mean, they're all mm-hmm. – Still tracking, seeing what's going, but I, it, I don't think there's going to be anybody really that jumps on real early unless maybe Ronnie Perkins talks with his brother and his brother right. convinces them, hey, you should just go ahead and come join me. But he just picked up an offer from Oklahoma the other day. So, Yeah, yeah you're looking at guys like Ronnie Perkins. I mean, Miami, Oklahoma, I think Oregon's offered yeah. him. Trevor Trout and Cameron Babkin. Literally, they could pick up the phone and tell any coach Same in America, I want to come there. Yeah. yeah, Michael Thompson has them from all over. So these are the type of kids like – We've talked about for years, Missouri fans want to recruit at a higher level. If you want to recruit this type of kid, you better understand next January, even if they do commit early, next January, you're fighting your ass off to keep them. Right. I mean, this is not going to end before, like, January 31st, 2018. Right. It's going to be, I mean, Coach Odom and the rest of the staff, Coach Ford, Coach Cross helps out in St. Louis. They're going to have their hands full getting these guys. They they stop by all the schools during the evaluation period in, in December – or most of the schools, I guess. I didn't yeah. quite make it to East St. Louis. Which they're, was... they're on their way this week, uh, or in the next few days, actually. I do understand. Okay. So, I'm, there's much ado made about that. I know it was on the radio and it's talked about. And I guess there's some val- validity to the fact that maybe you'd want to get over there and see them earlier. But, like a lot of people have said, there, it's just one school in one area. You, you got In one side of the story. Yeah, in one side of the story. So... Um, they're gonna, but they're gonna have their hands full. It's Ohio State's coming in, and I know people don't like to talk about it. It's uh, one of the still burning issues on the message board about Ezekiel Elliott. But the, what he's done has really put them on the map in St. Louis, and you can't and, say anything else. And that's it. As if Ohio State and Urban Meyer need help getting on right. anybody's map. Uh, so I want to run through just a, a couple of these, a uh, couple of kind of individual questions about 2018 and then we'll wrap it up but to me like I look at that group that, that you just identified to me the uh, kind of the alpha dog the guy that he's the highest rated player he plays the most important position he's probably the most like vocal and outgoing Trevor Trout I, like I don't think it's fair to call him like the leader of that group but he's the most identifiable he's going to be the biggest fish don't you think yeah and I, I leader's probably not the right word but he's he's 
he's the one that's kind of more outgoing. So he's he's reaching out to people. He's talking to people. He knows people nationally. He, he's that's just more his personality than I would say like Ronnie or Michael Thompson, uh, guys like that a little bit quieter. But I mean, I know they have a big text chain or I don't know DMing on uh, um, Twitter. They talk to each other all the time. They, that's one of the things they, they've talked about all going to school together. And Missouri, their pitch to Trout uh, over the summer was, we think if we get you, then everyone else is going to follow suit. And I think there is, there, there's something to that. But uh, he's also said that like the realistic idea that six guys are all going to go to the same school, mm-hmm. it's pretty tough. I mean, even if you got half of that, I, you'd have to be really happy, I think. Three out of those yeah. six, I mean, that's not bad. So- Toughest, toughest for Missouri to keep. My initial impression is Cameron Babb. Yeah, him or Michael Thompson, probably those two. I would say. I think Trevor Trout, Ronnie Perkins, and Cameron Brown—they're all in—they're in pretty solid shape. I don't think they're not—they're not in bad shape with Cameron Babb or Michael Thompson. I just think it just seems like there might be—I don't know. There's just a little bit more of a chance of them getting out of there. Mm-hmm. The one thing about the Babb was born in Columbia, and his mom's from Columbia. He has family in Columbia, so maybe. That might play a little bit more in the end, but uh, I know he's got interest from all over the place, offers from all over the place, so it's going to be tough for him. Last one on this group. My thought, the it, we've talked like a domino effect is Missouri's best hope. Somebody mm-hmm. jumps on board, not necessarily early, not like this month, but you know, relatively early. Spring, maybe over early, the summer. Right, yeah. spring, early summer. I, I mean, to me, I don't know. I, I think Dallas Craddith would maybe be the most likely, but – I don't know if that starts pulling these other guys. And, and like you said, Ronnie Perkins' connection to this team, his brother is not only on the team, he was a starting safety this year. He's going to be a starting safety. He's right. their best safety right now. And he's so, just a sophomore, so he's going to be there three right. more years. So. And so maybe maybe Ronnie Perkins is that guy that, that could kind of start that avalanche. Yeah, I think those are two. Those two and Cameron Brown are probably the ones I would say are most likely to jump on early. I don't Trevor Trout's already said he's waiting until after the season. Mm-hmm. I I would imagine Cameron Brown or Cameron Babb and uh, Michael Thompson are probably doing the same thing. Cameron Brown, when I talked to him last night, we had a story on him this morning. He said he doesn't have any top list yet. He's thinking about cutting that down and um, right around the beginning of the season. So, I mean, kids say that now sometimes and then change their mind through the way. But those are the guys I think Missouri's in the Brown, Perkins, Craddith are the ones that are in their best position to land early. All right, so uh, and just so this isn't a completely St. Louis centric, uh, <laughs> let's not forget Daniel Parker over on the other side of the and state. Mario I'm, Goodrich, yeah, Mario Goodrich. I mean, it, this state is it's more loaded than it's ever been. I mean, I remember in 2004 they had a weekend where they got Tony Temple and uh, Chase Patton and Van Alexander was visiting the same weekend. I think Jimmy Jackson might have been. They had a yeah. bunch of guys, but but they weren't all this highly rated outside of Temple and uh, and Patton. So I, I want to kind of wrap this up uh, your first week back with kind of a general, like give you the stage. Basically, um, we kicked Pete out. He ran back to Atlanta. He's sitting <laughs> down. It's actually going to snow in Atlanta this weekend. So uh, He's going to be stuck you know. on the highway for two days. <laughs> yeah, so too bad for you, Pete, man. Pack <laughs> some peanut butter crackers and some water in your car because you ain't going to go anywhere. But uh, – it, it, no, but you're basically going to run our recruiting operation now. So you mentioned Paul and Sean earlier. So, uh, you know, we've had a lot of discussions. I just want you to kind of give the people that are listening to this a taste kind of, you know, going into National Signing Day, now going forward into 2018, what, what's going to be different? What what can they look for from us recruiting-wise? Well, we'll always continue to do the recruiting updates with individual recruits, obviously catching up with them, just seeing what's going on. 
but we're going to try to do a better job of getting out with uh, the target boards, hot boards. Uh, Paul posted a top 10 uh, most wanted for Missouri in the stretch run, things like that, some bigger picture things. We've done all that stuff in the past, some, but we're going to try to make it more consistent now, give fans a little bit uh, different looks at coaches, what they're thinking, opposing coaches, what they're thinking about high school players, how they had a game plan for them and 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 things like that. It, it, I think just with the three of us and then obviously you pitching in every once in a while, it's just going to be more coverage and, and a few new things popping in here every once in a while just to – to give the give the subscribers more recruiting coverage than they ever had before. Hey, one last uh, 2018 note for you guys: James Foster, quarterback out of uh, out of Alabama, he's committed to North Carolina. 2018 kid, he's going to take an official visit here, not or unofficial visit. I'm sorry, not this weekend, but next weekend to Columbia. Jamal Brooks seems pretty tight with him. He was wishing Jafar Armstrong happy birthday on Twitter today. I mean, boy, if you can get your quarterback for 2018, 13 months in advance. Uh, I think Missouri would be pretty happy with that. Oh, definitely. I mean, and it, it seems like he's the guy they've really focused in on. They um, they have other offers out there to some guys, but uh, for for whatever reason, they decided he's the guy they want, and they've, they've been pushing after him really hard. And like you said, you can tell he has those relationships with um, some of the 2017 commits already, and, and it'll be interesting to see that. I mean, I haven't heard anything from anybody, but you just kind of get the feel that there might be a chance that that visit, that something – Something happens on that. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that that's coming up in eight days. And uh, all right, man, we've already gone thirty three minutes. I, I wanted to bring Brian on the podcast because look, we we try to get guests, but it, it gets a little boring just me talking to somebody on the phone, interviewing them every week. So we want to turn this a little bit more into like a a talk show type segment every week. Uh, maybe thirty minutes. Who knows? Maybe we'll actually have something we care about talking about. It'll go an hour some the week. Cardinals. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cardinal season's coming up. I'm fired up about the Cardinals offseason move. We're on page, like, 97 of that thread on our board, so we'll break that down for you. Uh, Brian will play Walt Jockety or John Mazalak or whoever the hell's in charge these days. But uh, any parting shots, man, first one back? No, it's good to be back. Uh, I am I'm, uh, did a little 9-to-5 stuff for a little while, but I, I'm glad to be back. I'm looking forward. I'm excited. I'm ready to get rolling and I think it's going to be a great 2017. Yeah, 9 to 5 is overrated. So, uh, you know, we just go, I don't know, like all the time. All the time. Just but be on Twitter, man. None of the time. It's, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, uh, glad to have Brian back and Paul and Sean joining us. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks, Stephen uh, St. John, for making us give the explicit lyrics warning for the first time maybe in PowerMizzou.com podcast history. We are going to make this a regular deal every Thursday uh, pretty much that, you know, there's not basketball and we're not covering a coaching search. We will be here talking to you guys. So, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.